is great, but rarely does it come off as it should that you see in the textbook, step one, step two, step three, and it all flows very nicely and everyone's happy and that's great. But a lot of the time you have people involved and if people have the opportunity to say, well, I've experienced A, B or C, any development that I do is actually around the stories that people share um, and how they grew from it, how they learned, what the consequences were. And you know, everyone loves a train wreck. And a lot of the stories that you could hear from the boardroom are around the stuff that went wrong. Hi, and welcome to episode 59, or episode seven of season two of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates how to unlock your brand story to supercharge your business. I'm Amelia Veal, small business owner and storytelling superhero. Here at Narrative Marketing, we absolutely believe in the power of storytelling not only to learn and connect, but also to build business relationships and drive sales. My guest this week, Lisa Cook, shares my passion for business. Not only that, but she understands the role of storytelling in the boardroom. In fact, stories are an integral component of Get On Board, her boardroom training business. As Lisa was joining organisational boards from a young age, she witnessed how little support there was out there for brand new board members with little or no experience. So she founded Get On Board to deliver online education and development for current and aspiring board members. In today's episode of Be The Drop, we chat ego attachment, the importance of having fun in the boardroom, and Lisa reveals how social media can be used to recruit even the top dogs. This is Lisa's version of Be The Drop. Thank you so much for joining me, Lisa. It's a pleasure to have you here as our guest on Be The Drop. Thank you very much for having me. And I see that you've brought along your item of significance and that's something that connects you with your community. So if you could please explain that and just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Okay, definitely. I have brought my laptop along. Um, so being mainly online uh, through my business, so we deliver online education for new and aspiring board members. My laptop is my life. It is my business is in here. This is actually the laptop that I started everything on. Uh, so it has great significance and it's dying a slow and horrible death, but I will, will never part from it. Uh, but it, it, it does, it connects me with all of those people around Australia who are really looking for that education and development and learning and connection to make them ready to walk into the boardroom mm. or increase their capabilities in the boardroom. Right. So why boards? You know, this is you're working in the education space and you're training and connecting people, but what's what about boards is so interesting to you? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> Probably has an answer that could go on for hours. But Really, it goes all the way back to high school when I sort of had my light bulb moment that I talk about, an aha moment when you actually get that moment where you know what you want to do with your life. Um, I was lucky enough to have that so young, so in year 11 or 12, and it was around business and running businesses. And so everything about business is something that just really 
gets my juices flowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So my life went through a path where I was lucky enough to get on boards at a very young age. It was always something, I guess it still is a goal of mine, is to get onto larger and larger organisational boards. That experience opened me up to see that there was nothing really out there for people who were in my position that was a new director on a board coming to the realisation, oh man, I really don't know what I'm doing here and there's so much that I don't know that I don't know and I need help. But there was really nothing out there that was set up for those people like me that were right at that first rung on the ladder just getting into the boardroom or even if you're just looking to get into the boardroom in the near future mm -hmm. of really just giving you that fundamental base knowledge that you need to know what you're doing and do it well mm. yeah so that's when I started get on board I know that there's such a significant need out in boards around Australia across all organizations um, in particular smaller not-for-profits things like that where it's more vital to have a high functioning highly effective board and so to have that you need the people around the table that know what they're doing that are doing it well that are going above and beyond what they think is just I show up to a meeting and we talk about do we have enough coffee for the next day or the printer's broken or something like that. That's not stuff that you should be thinking about. Uh, but that board service is something that can be taken seriously, that can have huge impacts on the organisation out into the community mm. and so on and so forth. Mm. And so you mentioning there that that impact and you know the, the flow on effect to people's lives and their abilities to maintain their jobs. You know, is is that part of the appeal for the for that for a board and you know having a position on a board? You know, that it can make quite a difference. It certainly should be up there on your <laughs> drivers list. Um, it's quite common to find um, a significant driver of people wanting to be on a board and staying on a board is because of their ego attachment to it. Usually, oh, I'm a director and I can go around and tell people that I'm a director of a company. It's all very well and good and yes, it feels nice and people may treat you better or different or special, whatever it is. But if you're then crap at that job and you're really affecting a business and its performance and its survivability, that's a big issue. Mm. So you certainly need, especially with the people that I work with, are usually doing it as a volunteer, are usually doing it on a for-purpose organisation or a community group, things like that. You need that driver, that connection to the cause that the business is existing for mm. to, to one, perform well and to want to be involved with that organisation, but to, you're going to spend a lot of hours, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of input into something, you want to have a connection to the cause. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to get frustrated and annoyed that you're spending all this time on this business that you don't care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that level of care is really important. Exactly. So you mentioned that there's potentially a number of, of people that go into boards and are ill-prepared. And when you started your journey, mm -hmm. there wasn't something that existed. Mm -hmm. So you've created your own version of it. How have you built a community around that? How have you made people aware that you exist and that you offer this service? 
A lot of it, well, essentially being a startup, a lot of it has been through social media, which is fantastic. Um, I've also, because when I first started, I was doing a lot of face-to-face things here in South Australia, in Adelaide. So I made connections with mainly government departments or groups of people that had a close alignment with pursuing the outcomes that I was also pursuing and Mm. things like the Office for Women, um, the South Australian Women in Sport Task Force and groups like that that really have a mandate to proactively get more women in the boardroom and on boards and marketing and me getting out there, doing things like this, having my own podcast as well, just helps further build that community Mm. and... As I suspected, there's a lot of people who are in my situation as well that I can help, and that's great. And you mentioned their diversity being important on on boards. Yeah. Um, you know, how is that something that a board can go about? You know, looking to do because if they're looking to engage new board members, you know, how do they go about you know attracting and appealing to a broader cross section of the community? It really starts with the board as a whole coming together and agreeing on diversity being important to them and what that looks like. And so really then I encourage boards to take a look, one, at their constituents, let's call them. So who are they serving, who's buying their products, who's utilising their services and things like that, and see how they're diverse. So what are they made up of? Are they? Are you serving a very broad audience where they're coming from all different races, all different ages, all different genders, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Are you at least having that sort of quote-unquote representation on mm. your board? Again, we have the technology that boards can find someone overseas, mm. find someone in a different state. It's really defining what you need and then working out how you bring that in. And technology is great for that as well. And so if someone has to dial in remotely or video conference into the board meetings, if you're getting that value into the organisation, do it. Is LinkedIn one that plays really large in the board sphere? It does. Um, I'm certainly seeing, which is fantastic, a lot of people are going out there, casting their net wider, they're getting better candidates, different candidates, candidates they wouldn't have even thought of in the first place. So that's a real positive thing. And yes, I'm seeing more of that on LinkedIn. But don't just, again, don't just box yourself in. Yes, it's a professional network, of course. You think boards, professional, etc. Um, think a bit more broadly. Mm. So you think other platforms would tend themselves well to that as well? Well, yeah, again, it comes, I mean, you're a marketer. It all depends on who you're trying to attract, what you're trying to get. Um, you just hope that you get that message in front of that right person at that right time. Mm. So if your Twitter account or Facebook account, if it makes sense for you to put out something like a board vacancy on that platform, do it. Mm. I know of a board that found their treasurer or finance expert on their board through Instagram. Oh, okay. So (laughs) I wouldn't have picked that. Yeah. And another sort of one I read about recently as well is board refreshment. So do you have 
adequate turnover? Is everyone that's sitting around the table, have they been there for 10 years or more? Especially in some industries, if, you're, if the majority of your board members have been there for 10 plus years, they all became board members before the iPhone came out. Think about what sort of impact that that's had, especially on industries like retail and things like that. I am interested, you mentioned as well in your own personal journey that you started with some sport recreational boards, um, you know, getting that experience with you're looking forward to growing, you know, yourself into bigger mm. roles within, you know, more established companies and, and organisations. Mm -hmm. You know, is, is that something that you recommend for the people that go through your course? Definitely. Um, there's so many more organisations that are local sporting clubs, that are small to medium not-for-profits, that are community groups, that are etc, 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 that need good people and that are existing for such a great community purpose that there's so many options available. That's where you've got to start. It's the low-hanging fruit and it's the best place for you to learn on the job with the lowest possible risk. You know, how do you juggle that with people that are very passionate and want, you know, well-meaning, looking to make a difference, but really don't have the skill set to be on the board and be have responsibility for, for some of those things that come with that? Yeah. yeah what's, the, what's the balance there? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean and that exists everywhere and you certainly need passion. I said it earlier so I'm going to reinforce you do need passion but you do need to understand that it's quite a serious role to take on um, with things like Get On Board Australia and whatnot. There are options out there for you to learn what it means so that you're actually knowing what you've taken on, understanding your risks, understanding how best to execute your duties and responsibilities in the boardroom while still maintaining that passion. On the flip side, as a board, you might want to think about implementing something through your board charter or a policy or something like that where you have a budget or you have a minimum number of hours that each of the directors need to invest into their own professional development related to boards. Things you can do, a great chair might recommend that everyone reads the same book at the same time. That's a really small investment for a business to make that they can get a copy for everyone or you print off an article and you send it around to the board. It's just little things like that but really setting the standard and the culture that you're not just going to run on passion and then you get derailed into sort of the weeds of the business and like we said who's going to get more coffee and the grass isn't cut and whatever it is that you're going to spend too much time on mm. that's really not important yeah and it's good that you've got you know some of those examples you use there are quite easily accessible like finding articles and you know and sharing that amongst the board because you know, imagine with the number of sporting organisations, you know, for example, they're volunteers, you know, say if it's a sporting club, it might be run by parents or, you know, yeah. <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. And so they've got lots on their plate. So they're doing it because they want to try and help the club, but then balancing that. So they might not have ambitions 
government departments. So here in South Australia, it's the Office for Recreation and Sport. Uh, so look for your state equivalent of those. They always have fantastic resources specifically for those local sporting club boards mm. or committees that they're usually called that really help you get an understanding. Heaps of resources online um, for the treasurers of those roles as well. Um, even if you're not the treasurer on that committee or that board, you still go and find those resources, still read through it. That's something you can't outsource to someone else. You are responsible for the financial well-being of the business so mm. go and find that but yeah your, your local sport and rec departments or offices are usually a great first step in your experiences and through the education that you provide with get on board how much do you share your story and your experiences uh, quite a bit so you can look at it two ways the course has the sort of theory component which is a lot of the online stuff we then run webinars throughout the sort of, it's a 12 week sort of setup, and we run webinars three times during those 12 weeks where we take, so we said, so you've learnt this theory, now here's why we're teaching it to you. And we give you all of those really interesting, juicy stories from the boardroom, from the director perspective to actually say, well, why am I learning about um, leadership behaviors? Why am I learning about personal asset protection? Why am I learning about these things and how do they apply to my life as a director? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so further to that on my blog, of course, is very much driven from my own personal experiences. I share quite a lot, um, the ups, the downs, things like that. And really, um, I don't mind having bad experiences as a board member because it all adds to that learning and what I can share and hopefully help someone avoid that situation yeah. <laughs> in the future. So, but you mentioned there, you know, using those, those webinars throughout the course to provide real examples and mm. really give context for the theory that people are learning. Yep. Why do you think that's so valuable, having that balance and, and giving them those story examples? Theory is great, but rarely does it come off as it should that you see in the textbook, step one, step two, step three, and it all flows very nicely and everyone's happy and that's great. But a lot of the time you have people involved, people have free will, people have personalities, they have egos, they have their own ambitions, yada, yada, yada. And so it's like with my degree that I had, I was learning the theory and then seeing it in application. It just makes it come to life a whole lot more. Mm. And if people have the opportunity to say, well, I've experienced A, B or C in this context of whatever we're learning, then we can talk to that as well. Mm. And so it makes it really personal then. And so do you think though that sharing of those real life stories adds value to the course? I certainly think so. Yeah, huge. Mm. I always enjoy any development that I do is actually around the stories that people share um, and how they grew from it, how they learned, what the consequences were. And, you know, everyone loves a train wreck. And a lot of the stories that you can hear from the boardroom are around the stuff that went wrong. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's juicy. Everyone loves hearing those. Getting the inside story. Of course. Yeah, behind closed doors. Yeah, Chatham House rules though. <laughs> <laughs> when you were building that community from startup and growing the business, what was the biggest challenge that you faced in growing your community and growing awareness? 
it's that it's growing awareness it's getting it out there um the greatest lesson that i learned when i worked at my old job when i was still living in sydney is that this may be your entire life so me as an employee working for this organization it's my entire life my world is consumed with this business and this job and what we're trying to do but for those people that you're selling to it's like one percent it's a tiny part and so all this other stuff is not even registering on their radar anything like that and so it's a good reminder for me in this job as well is that these people have day jobs, they're lawyers, they're accountants, they're professionals, they're nurses, they're whatever they are out there in the world. That's consuming their life. Board service and building themselves as a board member is a small percentage of that. Uh, but we keep trying and I let my passion for what I do <laughs> drive me and hope that that resonates, hope that my style, um, I really, reducing that whole perspective around the boardroom where it's dark, it's old, it's stale, it's secretive, it's for a certain type of person. You can only come in if you sort of pay your way in. It's for connected people and things like that, I think is a bit BS. Uh, so that's really reflective in what I talk about, the language I use on my website, the fact that I use some bright colors. So really to move towards that, it's accessible, it's fun. Being on a board should be fun. Yes, it's serious. Yes, it's hard work at times. Yes, you're making some really, really heart-wrenching decisions that greatly affect people's lives. But at the end of the day, are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Is it collegiate? Is it serving the purpose that you came for? Mm. It should certainly be ticking those boxes. Oh, great. That's a really good answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lisa. It's been an absolute pleasure. In conclusion, though, can you share with me your be the drop tip? But having that, that confidence thing permeates into so many aspects, and I see it a lot around, um, I've started helping people with their board resumes, and so there's that real uncomfortableness that we feel, I feel it sometimes, um, to talk about yourself in such a way where you're highlighting your strengths, your achievements, your successes and things like that. And people find that so hard. And that, that makes me sad that people are so, find it so hard to talk about themselves in such a positive way and actually be confident in what they've done. How do you break in when people are all talking, they're talking, they're talking, you think that, oh my God, these people are so fancy, they're on this board, they're on this other board, they've done this in their life, blah, blah, blah. It can be really intimidating. If you don't have confidence in yourself, your opinions, your perspectives, your viewpoints, you're going to really struggle. Mm. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. 
to unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time. Mm-hmm.